Cyber Monday. Get your Studios America merch at studiosmerch.com. We've got the Anyone But Biden 24 stuff, Bidenomics Strikes Back, Santifa Clause, all this stuff available with the code Stu10, 10% off. Great Christmas presents for any conservative that you know. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to the channel, like all of our videos, and hit the bell for notifications. Got some new stuff we're working on right now. You're going to want those that bell for notifications coming uh, very soon to uh, YouTube and the podcast feed. Keep a uh, close eye on it. Abby Johnson is going to be here to talk about a post Roe versus Wade society and how we deal with that. Andrew Cuomo and his awfulness levels hit a brand new record high. And if you're looking, especially if you happen to be in New York and you're looking for Christmas presents, andrewcuomoisawful.com still active, just so you know. But we're going to start by doing the hostage reality show. Oh, it's been so much fun to watch all these tearful reunions. And look, these are some, there is some legitimate good news going on here because when a lot of people were like, well, what do we have to do with things over there? Why are we always so invested in what's going on in the Middle East? Uh, I don't know. I don't, why, I don't know why we're so invested. Well, number one is there's a bunch of American hostages there. That kind of gives you a number one reason to be really interested in what's going on in the Middle East. If you don't care about people who are in the Middle East, which I don't know if that's uh, well advised, but if you don't care at all, there's American citizens there who are currently being held hostage by Hamas. That, at the very least, we should care about, right? Um, Hamas and Israel released prisoners. American girl, four, four years old, was freed. Kind, kind people. You know, this whole thing about um, proportionate response. I often wonder what the actual proportionate response would look like when you're talking about four-year-old hostages. Hamas freed 17 hostages held in Gaza, including a four-year-old American girl, while Israel released 39 Palestinian prisoners on Sunday. Again, no no calls for proportionate response. Well, they only released 17. Israel should only release 17. For some reason, Israel never has to worry about. They're never on the right side of that proportionate response uh, conversation for whatever reason. This is the third day of the truce. The International Committee of the Red Cross said it has successfully transferred 17 hostages from Gaza. Hamas said it had handed over 13 Israelis, three ties, and one with Russian citizenship. The release of the hostages, part of a larger group captured when Hamas fighters rampaged, rampaged through southern Israel on October 7th, was mirrored by the freeing of 39 Palestinians, all of whom were teenagers, according to the Palestinian news agency, Wafa. Yes, Wafa, great channel, huge subscriber. Uh, I have their Wafa Plus plan. Uh, But Wafa tells us these are all teenagers, and it's interesting because when they want to make you feel really bad, they don't tell you they're teenagers. They say they're children. And then we find out, well, what they are are teenagers who were detained for throwing rocks at Israeli troops or something of that nature. But, you know, again, that's not the biggest uh, you know, incident in the world. These uh, troops can handle themselves pretty well in those situations. And to be able to get back a bunch of hostages is really, really valuable. So we'll go into whether it's valuable enough to continue the truce and what should happen after here in just a second. So what actually happened to these hostages? Well, you know, they, they seem to be alive. That's good. But irregular meals, benches as beds, the freed Israeli uh, hostages return to Israel and detail uh, their captivity. Um, one hostage whose three relatives were released uh, for Hamas on Friday said they had been fed irregularly and had eaten mainly rice and bread. She and her cousin and aunt, Karen and Ruth Munder, had each lost around seven kilograms, which is 15 pounds in just 50 days. Raviv said she had heard from her freed family members that they had slept on rows of chairs pushed together in a room that looked like a reception area. 
They said sometimes they had to wait hours before going to the bathroom. We know the four-year-old girl lost about 10 pounds. Now, when you're a four-year-old and you're growing, to lose 10 pounds in just a few weeks, these are not conditions that, uh, there's no humane conditions uh, occurring here, of course. So that doesn't stop, though, the media from acting like it's this big reality show. You know, it's like this, well, isn't it wonderful? These, you know, you watch those shows where uh, American troops come back and, and there's a guy dressed as a referee and the kid's playing basketball. All of a sudden he looks over and he realizes it's his dad. His dad is back from Afghanistan. And, and you know, Joe Biden abandoned all the people in Afghanistan, it's, but at least his dad is home. And it's a wonderful reading. Everyone's crying. Oh, my gosh, what a wonderful moment. Look, it's a wonderful moment, of course, for the Israeli people uh, and the Americans and Thai and, and, and others. Uh, that had people return, and I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, but we shouldn't act as if this is some grandiose gesture by Hamas. It, they were cornered into this because of the military pressure that most of the world said shouldn't occur. They all said they wanted a ceasefire. Well, guess what wouldn't have happened if you had a ceasefire? They wouldn't be throwing these, these hostages back because they would have no need to. Now they are pressured into doing so. And so because of this pause... Uh, they are allowed to do that. Um, you know, the media doesn't really focus on the fact that all these people were kidnapped. They just act like, oh, well, they're hostages. Prisoners is the word they like to use. They like to use the word prisoners for, uh, for the um, Israelis that have been kidnapped. And then they kind of try to make it that they're in the same category as the Palestinians who are being returned when they're not. I mean, the Palestinians who are being returned were not, they did not go into Gaza. They did not rip them out. They did not rape their wives and their husbands and their moms and their dads. They did not kill their little brothers and sisters in ovens. They did not decapitate people. They were people who were arrested for protesting, typically, uh, throwing rocks and, and doing other things that were disturbing the peace. Now, again, you might not like that. And, uh, you know, many around the world think that that. That's, that's just abhorrent. Um, I don't know. If I was in Israel, I think maybe maintaining some sense of order might be a priority. Um, but there's this sort of thing where we're like, oh, well, look at all these emotional discoveries that Hamas helped facilitate. Hamas is not helping facilitate anything other than murder. OK, the fact that they gave these people up is because they absolutely are in a desperate state, a desperate state created by the military action that most of the world told Israel not to do. So without this military action, these people would not be back in Israeli territory. And, you know, the whole murder and terror angle of this doesn't really uh, ever get talked about anymore. It's all forgotten now. We've just moved past it. You know, yeah, sure. Like, the, for example, this four-year-old girl who was abducted, she was, uh, the last time she saw her dad, she was in his arms as he was shot in the head. In, her, in his arms. He, she crawled away, got into a closet somehow, eventually escaped and went to her next door neighbors. And when she got to the next door neighbors, uh, the entire family was abducted. And as far as I know, they're not all back. So wonderful story. Uh, it's a great, 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 great story here. Now, she, not, she wasn't just brought over there or um, as uh, in Ireland, they, they like to say, she was lost and now she's found. This is the disgraceful thing that's happening. And thank, thankfully, Conor McGregor, you have to have Conor McGregor around to actually be the voice of reason in these situations. Conor McGregor torches Ireland's PM over his response to Hamas' release of child hostage. And now, let me walk you through this timeline here. First of all, Leo Vardakar said, This is the day of enormous joy and relief for Emily Hand and her family, an innocent child who was lost 
and has now been found and returned. And we breathe a massive sigh of relief. Our prayers have been answered. Now, of course, the kid wasn't lost. She didn't wander off into the forest. She was like Little Red Riding Hood. That's not what happened here. She was abducted. She was kidnapped. And uh, God only knows what happened to her while she was kidnapped. Now, a, a community note popped up on that one that said Emily Hand was kidnapped by Hamas terrorists on October the 7th. The use of the term lost is inappropriate and fails to highlight that she was released as part of a hostage deal. Conor McGregor then chimes in, says she was abducted by an evil terrorist organization. What what is with you and your government and your and your paid for media affiliates constantly downplaying slash attempting to repress horrific acts that happen to children? You're a disgrace. The day after a stabbing of child children in Ireland, not one paper had it on their front cover. We will not forget. Now, of course, Conor McGregor is at least being rewarded for his bravery speaking out against the government in a very European way. Uh, Irish p- police launch hate speech investigation into Conor McGregor after he condemned stabbing of school children. This is on Blaze Media now. You can check it out at theblaze.com. According to the Sunday Times, Assistant Garda uh, Commissioner Justin Kelly is leading an Irish police investigation into whether McGregor has disseminated online hate speech for disagreeing with the stabbing of children. Not sure how that's online hate speech, but hey, this is the world you live in right now. Now, of course, we know all the propaganda going on here. They are trying to say one of these terrorists who ha- they have one frame of her kind of smiling. They're saying she looks happy in custody. They're doing that. They also uh, Hamas also tried to do this thing where uh, they were trying to make it look like the hostages would miss their captors. Here is video of this going on. Watch. Going on. See, they're waving, and they're saying, make sure you keep waving so it looks like you're really happy. Uh, That, of course, is disseminated by the media without really questioning it. Um, And, of course, uh, the administration has a big chunk of uh, of blame here. I mean, the Biden administration has been uh, getting worse on this story. Initially, they had some pretty good comments, pretty good commentary on what was happening. And now they're getting to that point where they're realizing, well, The AOC faction of the uh, party, which is large and growing, didn't like that. They didn't like that he said positive things about Israel. Um, I guess he's supposed to be a certain percentage anti-Semitic in all of his statements. So uh, what happens? Well, we are seeing now this stuff kind of come out when they're getting more and more criticized and and they're backing away more and more from their initial hard pro-Israel uh, position. Here is uh, Jake Sullivan uh, asked about uh, a question about hostage negotiation. Watch. Jake, do you have any concern that the U.S. so publicly negotiating a hostage release sends a message that Americans are willing to negotiate with terrorists, even hmm. if indirectly, and that that could ultimately put the lives of other Americans at risk on the world stage? When the United States had one policy or another, people were taking Americans hostage. So from our perspective, this isn't about precedent. It isn't about policy. It's about a simple principle. If there's an American citizen being held overseas, we are going to do everything in our power using diplomacy, using influence, using leverage to be able to get those people home safely to their families. That is the commitment of President Biden. Now, you might recognize the American military as having a lot of power. Do you think so far they've done everything in their power to get these hostages back? Do you think there's a lot of people in the military right now that would like to be doing more to get American hostages back? You've probably met 
military members. Do any of them seem like they would argue that this is the maximum amount of American power that could be applied in the situation? Does anyone believe that? Of course, no one, no one that's sane believes it. But then again, you have the Biden government. Biden uh, now made these very uh, passionate statements at the beginning of this, siding with Israel and saying, you know what, we're going to be against the decapitation. This is faded and faded and faded as days have gone on. One of the early statements, right around the time where it was, he was starting to uh, weeble wobble a little bit on this issue, Biden uh, did come out and state something that is blatantly clear that Obviously, you shouldn't just blanket trust what Hamas is telling you as far as casualty counts. Well, he made that statement publicly, but then did more in private. Biden apologized to Muslim American leaders for questioning the death toll from Hamas-linked organization. President Biden apologized to some prominent Muslim American leaders for publicly questioning the Palestinian death toll being reported by the Hamas-controlled Gaza Ministry of Health, a new report says. Biden huddled with five Muslim American leaders the day after his October 25th comments about reported Gaza death tolls uh, roiled the uh, Islamic community, vowing to do better. I'm sorry. I'm disappointed in myself. This guy is pathetic. Biden told the group The Washington Post reported a day before during the press conference, the president openly questioned the accuracy of the casualty figures from Gaza, given Hamas's terror track record. This seems like a rational stance for him. No wonder he reversed it. Quote, I have no notion that the Palestinians are telling the truth about how many people are killed, Biden said. I'm sure that innocents have been killed. It's a price of waging war, he added. Can you believe he apologized for that? You don't think it's a legitimate thing to question Hamas when they tell you, uh, yeah, that bombing that happened 20 minutes ago, 9,734 people are dead. And now report that, please. And people do. Of course you should question it. In fact, you shouldn't even question it. You should ignore it. When Hamas tells you how many people have died, ignore what Hamas says. Because, and here's a, an interesting thing for all the people in the media to understand, because they're Hamas. You don't take anything Hamas says seriously unless they're threatening to chop your head off, which, by the way, they are. It's incomprehensible that this stuff keeps happening. If you... Want to know how many people died in Gaza? I got a plan for you, media. Send some freaking reporters in there and do some journalism. How about that? You, you guys are the ones telling us these people are freedom fighters. They're the ones that are on the right side of this. They're so interested in peace. Well, why don't you send some of your own people in there and check those numbers a little bit? Do your own homework. How about that? I won't do it. Because if we walk in there, we'll get killed. And you know what will happen to your journalists if you send them in there? The same thing. But you want to tell us how wonderful and honest and pure these people are in Hamas? Well, then you go ahead and go fact check their stories. See how that works out for you. Now, all of this is going on when the Democrats are still trying to play politics with the funding of this area. And look, you can agree or disagree with the funding of Israel, uh, but... I don't think if there's a good argument to be made that it should not be treated as his own issue, right? You can absolutely support funding for Israel and not for Ukraine or the opposite. Really, I mean, it depends on what your perspective is. But they want to tie these things together so they can lump everybody in and spend hundreds of billions of your dollars. Schumer uh, is going to send Biden's $106 billion supplemental package to the Senate floor as early as next week. This, of course, would tie Israel and Ukraine funding along along with a bunch of other stuff, um, together to try to make everybody vote for it. And, of course, it will work because it's funny money. They don't even care. 
They don't care about your money. I mean, look, with all the stuff going on, the money isn't even the most important thing in the world right now. But it is it is an important thing. We can't just have blank checks going every which way, which, of course, is what Washington wants. And while all this is going on, we're seeing an an unprecedented spike in the amount of anti-Israel and anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic pressure, attacks, threats. It really is a strange, strange environment, especially, I don't know, if you think a lot of this stuff gets overblown. And I kind of do. A lot of times I think people are, you know, complaining about stuff that, honestly, you know, microaggressions are what we're talking about often. And these little things that go on and people get offended by them and they say how sad they are and they need their safe space. We've seen this dance a hundred times. Now it's starting to go well beyond that. A Jewish professor at USC was confronted by pro-Palestinian students and he's now barred from campus. This is a Jewish economic professor um, at USC. He's 72 years old. His name is John Strauss. And while he was out, he was, uh, he was, um, Confronted by this pro-Palestinian group, uh, the economic professor had interactions with students the, in, in the day, ended with the 72-year-old Strauss, who is Jewish, declaring, quote, Hamas are murderers. That's all they are. Every one of them should be killed. I hope they are all killed. Well, you know, you're talking about, would, would this be a controversial statement when you're talking about Al-Qaeda? Would it be a controversial statement when you're talking about some any other terrorist group? No, Hamas gets this strange new respect uh, from the media. Well, what happened was that the students recorded him and then took off the part about Hamas and labeled it with something that basically said he wanted all Muslims killed. And now he's he's the one. The students that did it aren't kicked off of campus. He's kicked off of campus. Now, it might be good for him to be kicked off of campus because we're seeing what happens to Jewish teachers that are left on campus. Pro-Israel teacher hides in Queens High School as radicalized students riot. They want her fired. Why? She attended a pro-Israel rally. And, you know, this is going to come as a surprise to many people, but many Jews are pro-Israel. Yeah, they, uh, it's, a, it's a shocking reality to far too many people, apparently. Now, look. The question of the hostage pause is a tough one because at some level, you know, Israel wants to go in there and end Hamas. And any day that you delay uh, going after Hamas is a day they can escape, is a day they can, re, you, know, you know, set their, um, their protections. They can get more ammunition. They can escape. They can plan attacks. They can set traps. They can do all these things. Each day that goes by, this is something that is happening. However, if you can get 12, 13, 14 prisoners each day, you know, I mean, I think that's probably a good move to continue this as long as you continue to get these hostages. Um, Yes, it will give them a little bit of an advantage for the fight after, but that's the most important thing, that the fight after continues. This isn't a ceasefire. This is a pause. If they want to buy a day of freedom uh, with 13 or 14 hostages and we keep getting citizens, American, Thai, Israeli, back, I'm willing to, you know, I mean, again, I don't have any control. You're going to be surprised. I don't have very much control over the Israeli uh, military, but I'd be okay with that decision. I understand it. And honestly, as long as these people are coming back, you kind of root it on. You want more and more of these hostages back. If we can get the hostages back, we have to wait 10 days, 15 days. You know what? Okay. If you actually get them back, that would be wonderful. The second they stop uh, delivering these hostages in the numbers that they're saying, we are back to full-scale attack. And, And it's important to note, 
when this is over, if they give every hostage back, Hamas still needs to be eliminated. This can't happen again. This isn't a ceasefire. It's not the end of the war. It is a pause where humanitarian aid can go in, where hostages can be returned. That's what this is. If it's anything other than that, it's a huge mistake on the part of Israel. They have to make sure that their end goal is still the same. If you can save these hostages' lives, by all means, you have to do it. But at the end of the day, remember what is true here. Hamas must be eliminated or this will happen over and over and over again. Let me tell you about Grip6. Grip6, a small company in Utah. They sell throughout the United States, but also all over the world. And they source everything in their products right here in America. They've got great minimalist belts that don't just jut out of your shirt. They've got great socks. They have awesome wallets. They even, I mean, it's the hottest sport in America. They've got awesome pickleball stuff, too. They make, they make their own rackets. I think it's called Bird is the company that they do with it. With It's related to Grip6. I don't know, in some way. But all I know is it's great stuff. If you're going to play pickleball, don't get the $14 uh, you know, pack of six rackets from the, you know, go invest in a good racket and kick everybody's butt. That's what you should do. Uh, go to grip6.com slash do. Great Christmas presents, plus you're supporting a company that actually supports America. And when you use the promo code Stu, you will save 15%. It's grip, the number six.com slash do. Grip6.com slash do. Get 15% off today with grip6.com slash stu. I'm happy to welcome back to the program one of my favorite people, Abby Johnson. She is the founder and director of And Then There Were None. Abby, thanks so much for coming back on the program. Of course. Thanks for having me. Um, before we get started on uh, kind of what's going on today, can you kind of give people a quick synopsis of, of, of your story if they haven't heard it yet? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I worked for Planned Parenthood for eight years of my life. I ran their family planning and abortion program at a facility here in Texas. It was um, part of their Houston affiliate. And I ended up leaving. I was a clinic director there, ended up leaving after working there for eight years after witnessing a live ultrasound guided abortion procedure where I saw a 13 week old baby fight and struggle for his life against the abortion instruments. And I'd never seen anything like that before. Even after working there for eight years, ultrasounds are not typically used during the actual abortion procedure. And so I'd never seen anything like that. And I knew after seeing that, that there was life in the womb, there was humanity in the womb. And I knew that if those two things were true, then I was on the wrong side of this abortion debate. So I ended up leaving. Planned Parenthood sued me and took me to court, tried to get a permanent gag order against me so I wouldn't be able to share my story and to share all of the misdeeds and all of the dirty laundry that Planned Parenthood was trying to hide. That obviously failed. And I have been sharing my story ever since. And thank God you have. You've been a very important voice on this for a very long time. And, we, and I know everyone in the audience appreciates it quite a bit. Um, but let's talk about the state of the life movement today. Uh, it, it's, it's an interesting one to look at because we finally have Roe versus Wade being overturned. And, you know, this just starts the ability to actually have a conversation uh, about what laws can be in place and how we should handle this. Obviously, some of the red states have gone uh, and, and either put in full bans in some cases, uh, you know, some you know, six-week bans. We've seen some 13-week bans. We've seen all sorts of different mm -hmm. approaches to this. 
And we're now getting some information about what that means. At least uh, it's hard to exactly quantify, but there's a story out in the New York Times about a study uh, talking about the what how many births have occurred that would not have occurred in pre- under the previous laws. They're estimating in the first six months of 2023, about 32,000 annual births uh, uh, have occurred. Uh, increased from what they would have expected. So the, the idea is about 32,000 babies have been uh, helped and come to actually live their lives, get an opportunity at life that wouldn't have previously. First of all, does that number align with what you think is really happening? Do you think that, are you excited about that number? Do you think it's too low? How do you feel about it? Look, I think any life that makes it here, any life that is born, I think it's a success. And, um, you know, people that work at the New York Times and and people that are in their camp, the, the pro-abortion groups, they are not going to see those 32,000 lives as a success. They are going to see that as a drain on society. They, I mean, let's be perfectly honest, there are going to be Republican lawmakers that are not going to see that as a good number. They're going to say, oh, bet those were all Medicaid births or, um, you know, they are going to see that as a drain on our society. But I see that as lives that are going to impact our society for good. And I am excited about those 32,000 lives. And I think it's a great thing. And I think I have seen the pro-life movement step up in incredible ways to help these moms who are in crisis, to pay rent, to buy clothes, to buy maternity clothes, to buy cars. I mean, our ministry has bought whole minivans uh, for women that needed assistance. We have seen the pro-life movement really come through for these women, and it's been incredible. And you don't see groups like Planned Parenthood doing that. You know, Planned Parenthood, they're not buying diapers for women. They're not buying cars for women. They're not supporting single moms. It is the pro-life movement that is coming through for women. And these women don't have to be pro-life right? That, that are getting help. They don't have to be Christian. They don't have to be anything. They don't have to check any box. They just have to need help. And the pro-life movement comes through, I mean, full force for them every single time. Yeah. It's amazing because that was one of the big critiques of the pro-life movement for years. Oh, you, you don't care about the life. You care the life at birth, but you don't care about it, the life after that. Um, and I don't know if there was ever really a huge amount of truth to that criticism. I think, you know, the pro-life people did care about the whole life, but they've really taken that to heart. I mean, I think there's been so many new organizations like yours and, and many others that have said, you know what, let's, let's make sure we do this. Let's step up and help these women who make this difficult decision. And, you know, there's other ways they can try to get out of this. And, and if they don't, I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful uh, choice for life. And let's make that as easy and, and, and attractive as possible. Well, here's the things too. Even if we didn't, okay, even if the pro-life movement, even if we were like a bunch of jerks, okay, (laughs) and we were like, you know what, we're going to get you through your pregnancy. And then once you have that baby, we are dropping you like a hot potato. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like even if that was completely us, okay, that that was the pro-life movement, abortion would still be wrong. Even if we didn't help these women after their babies were born, even if we didn't help them while they were pregnant, even if we didn't lift a finger, abortion would still be wrong. 
abortion isn't wrong because the pro-life movement steps up and helps. Abortion is wrong because it is the deliberate, it is the intentional destruction of another innocent human being. So they've always fallen back on this idea that the pro-life movement is just pro-birth, which is completely false. You know, there are about... 800 abortion clinics nationwide. There are almost 4,000 pregnancy resource centers nationwide. So, I mean, we are like, you know, almost four to one Mm. um, with, you know, pregnancy help to abortion centers. Um, We are, we are outpacing them everywhere when it comes to supporting women, true support of women. Um, but they've always made this claim. But at the end of the day, abortion's not wrong because pro-lifers are willing to help because pro-lifers are willing to step up. Abortion's wrong because it's murder. Mm. I mean, that's the bottom line. Um, it's interesting too, looking at the study. Uh, first of all, the, their first number for the first six months was 10,000 and that's increased now to 32,000. So it seems to be going in the right direction. And it's mm-hmm. hard for me to think of a policy when really only implemented in what, 10 states um, is that can save 32,000 lives. I mean, that's an incredible victory. Of course, that is, as you point out, not how the New York Times looked at it. They say, this is a quote from one of the authors of the study. The importance of our results is when you take away access, it can affect fertility. That's what we're supposed to take from this study. They go on to say that the real truth here is this is an inequality story showing that a significant minority of people in banned states get trapped. How do you react to that? I mean, trapped into having uh, an amazing baby, trapped into having a baby that they created. Um, Yes, trapped into taking care of their responsibilities. Yes, Uh, yes, it's amazing that sometimes we do have to, um, we have to own up to our responsibilities. Sometimes we have to, bear our consequences. That is, that is true. And I, I know that there, there is this small contingency of women out there who are, uh, they are insane enough to go around and say that they regret having their children. I don't know that that's really true. I think they do it just to shock people, but the overwhelming majority of women, and I would bet the overwhelming majority of these 32,000 women are very, very thankful that they gave birth to their children. I bet they are very, very thankful that they did not choose to have an abortion. And I bet they're very thankful that they couldn't just run down the road and quickly make a decision, a hasty decision, which is what the abortion industry wants. You know, they don't want, that's why they oppose waiting periods and ultrasounds Mm. and everything like that. They don't want women to wait. They want them to see that positive pregnancy test, to be in a panic, to be in a state of crisis, to get on that table as quickly as possible, have that abortion, hand over the money. And they want to pretend like these women are never going to think about that decision again. But the truth is, is that they will think about it every single day for the rest of their lives. And that is exactly what the abortion industry wants. Just quick, 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 hasty, hasty, hasty. And the fact that these women were not able to do that is the reason that they chose life. These women could have flown to another state. 
That's the reality. And Planned Parenthood and the Lilith Fund and Jane's Due Process and all these other groups, they would have paid for them to go have an abortion for free. I mean, honestly, a lot of the companies where these women work, they would have paid them to go have an abortion. So it's not that that the it's not that the women did not have an opportunity to go have an abortion. They could have had an abortion. They could have done it for free. Planned Parenthood and these other groups, they're actually playing they're paying for people people's flights for their hotel, for lost wages. They had the opportunity to have an abortion. The reason these women are not having an abortion is because they're being forced to wait and to think about it. Mm -hmm. And when women are forced to actually wait and to think about whether they want to kill their child, the majority of the time they don't. They realize this was a quick decision. I actually do not want to make this permanent decision based on temporary circumstances. And that is why they choose life. It's not because they don't have an opportunity to kill their children. Even women that live in places where abortion is banned, they still have an opportunity to have an abortion. But these women chose life. Thank God they did. Uh, and thank God for organizations like yours that are helping these women throughout this entire process. Uh, Abby Johnson, she's the founder and director of Then There Were None. Abby, thanks so much for coming back. We really appreciate the work that you're doing. It is incredibly important. Of course. Anytime, Stu. Thank you. All right. Buying and selling a home, you know, home. You know how crazy that can be, right? It's a process nobody wants to really be involved in because, you know, while it's nice to move to a new place, it can also just be a headache. It's, it's loaded with all sorts of hassles, paperwork you don't understand, massive decisions that can affect your entire life financially. Well, realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find the best real estate agent in your town. They can walk you through the process. They can make sure you're getting into the right community, the right area of town, maybe the right school system. Uh, what's the best resale value? What should you do to improve your house? What should you skip when you're selling your house? And don't try, you know, I want to paint everything in a nice bright pink. Not a good idea. Real estate agentsitrust.com, they know the answers to those questions. It's a free service to you. There's no risk. Check it out. Find out the best agent in your town and connect with them through realestateagentsitrust.com. Check it out now, realestateagentsitrust.com. Who do you like in the Republican field? Uh, anybody. Um, you know, I, I would, uh, I'd be happy to support virtually any one of the Republicans, maybe not Vivek, but, uh, but the others that are running would, would be acceptable to me, and I'd be happy to vote for them. I'd be happy to vote for a number of the Democrats, too. I mean, it would be an upgrade from, in my opinion, from uh, Donald Trump and, and perhaps also from uh, Joe Biden. I, look, I like President Biden. Um, you know, I, I find him a very charming engaging person. There's some places I agree with him, but most places I disagree with him. Uh, I think he's made all sorts of terrible mistakes, but uh, I, I would like to see someone else run. <laughs> well, there you go. Mitt Rom In case you were wondering what Mitt Romney was thinking, uh, pretty much anybody except for Vivek or uh, Donald Trump is his answer on the Republican side. Kind of a fascinating thing. I mean, there, it's, it's interesting that the term never Trump became popular like 2015, 2016. 
And it, I don't know, it never really had a definition. Like, does it mean that you're only, you would never vote for Trump in the primary, but you'd support him in the general? Was it one of those things where you'd never support him, uh, you'd never vote for him under any circumstance? Is it one of those things where uh, you just never are going to be enthralled with the guy like so many are? I mean, there's a bunch of different shades of that. And Romney, I guess, is in the never, I will never vote for, I'll go for any of the Democrats. I mean, what are the other, the other Democrats running are who? Marianne Williamson? The guy from uh, the gelato guy in Minnesota, he's Dean Phillips. He's running, I guess. You have RFK Jr. Would he would he support RFK Jr. over? I mean, this is just a bizarre, bizarre situation. But hey, maybe he'll still have time. Maybe Andrew Cuomo will jump in. As we know, Andrew Cuomo is awful. So Mitt Romney probably really likes him. Um, By the way, he's been accused of sexual harassment, as we know, uh, many, many times. Uh, Now a new lawsuit has been filed again by his former executive assistant, she was maybe one of the top two or three of the accusations that really were responsible for Cuomo being replaced at that time um, and, you know, being thrown out of office. Now, of course, Hochul is also an awful governor. I mean, there's no surprise there. Uh, but uh, as far as we know, she's not uh, physically um, assaulting any of any of, uh, you know, any of her underlings. Now, we don't know. There could be accusations that come out on that front, but as of this point, we don't know. And if you remember, she was the Brittany uh, Camiso, uh, I think was her name. Um, she was uh, accused. This is like the most physical of the attacks. I mean, this was like, it wasn't just like being slimy. It was an actual like uh, groping uh, that went on. And uh, one of the reasons why he had to step down. By the way, Andrew Cuomo is awful. Dot com. It's true. Finally, uh, Border Patrol, and we know the border has been a big problem for Joe Biden, one of the reasons why his approval rating is so low. Well, they they decided to address this, and they're going to make sure that the Border Patrol does not use improper pronouns. That was the problem with the Border Patrol, right? That was what we were trying to solve. This is a real direction on pronouns. Use, do not use he, him, she, or her pronouns until you have more information about or provided by the individual. Use Mr., Mr., Mrs., Ms., Sir, and Ma'am salutations until you have more information about the individual. And then uh, you should also not refer to being LGBTQI plus as a choice or a lifestyle. So that's gone now. Alternative lifestyle, that's gone. No longer in favor. I can't keep track of these things, but... Luckily, if you are on the border, the only thing you really need to worry about is pronouns. There's nothing else going on down there. The rest of your job's easy. Uh, no threats, no issues at all with illegal crossings. Just get those pronouns right, boys and girls, and our border will finally be secure. Let me tell you about the Jace case from Jace Medical. The United States is currently facing a critical shortage of essential drugs, over 300 drugs right now, and it's causing severe disruptions in medical treatments. You might know this. You might have a medication that you need and you can't get a hold of. Well, treatments are facing delays, cancellations, and the rationing of vital medications. Uh, so what do you do? Well, you got to get the Jace case. The Jace case has a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. This is customizable. It is, uh, I mean, you can add dozens of different things to this, and you can choose the ones that are best for you and your family's needs. The process is simple. Just go online and fill out a form, and then you get a prescription life-saving medication. 
notifications uh, delivered right to your door. And JaceMedical.com is going to take care of this for you. If you use the promo code STU, you'll save cash. So you don't have to use the promo code STU. But if you want to save cash, you do have to do that. You'll get a special discount on your order. The promo code is Stu at JaceMedical.com, J-A-S-E, medical.com. Check it out now. It's the Jace case from Jace Medical. Get prepared. Well, the multi-billion dollar sports gambling industry is continuing to grow, and it's in a very interesting state. This is more than I realized. 37 states, along with Washington, D.C., have now legalized sports gambling in some way. Um, the holdouts are interesting as well. Five states have no legislation to legalize sports betting. Now, Utah, uh, you might uh, might understand, and they're not going to be probably first on the bandwagon. Utah and Idaho, maybe for the similar reasons. But then you also have Alabama, so you have a, a deep south state that is bright red. Alaska, which is, I guess, reddish, but kind of known for sort of a Wild West approach to things. They have no legislation. And then California, who you think is totally different than these other states. Um, Texas, Georgia, South Carolina, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Hawaii have legislation that has been introduced but not passed. And, you know, this continues to grow and grow and grow and grow. And look, I, you know, to me, I, I think it's silly that if you don't, you know, I, I think you should be able to do this as an adult. Uh, whether you think it's a good idea or not is really up to you. But I think individuals should be able to make those choices uh, for themselves. Uh, it just seems rational to me. I mean, you know, I certainly lean, you know, more uh, free market on such uh, things. I don't like the government getting involved in my decision making process in most uh, arenas. Um, but, you know, if you're looking at this and you're saying, well, I mean, sports gambling, this could be dangerous. It's not always going to be dangerous. It's not always going to be risky. For example, you could just bet on the Philadelphia Eagles every time and you wouldn't have to worry about any of this. You know, just a profit machine. So good luck with that. So remember the movie 47 Ronin? No, no one remembers the movie 47 Ronin. It was kind of a big bomb at the box office. Uh, they had to write off about mo most of its $175 million budget when it came out in, I think it was 2010, 2013, something like that. I can't remember. It was a while ago. Well, the director of this movie hadn't done really anything else. He had done that movie 47 Ronin with, I think, Keanu Reeves. And he had this pitch for a streaming series, and this is in the, the peak of all the streaming cash being blown out the doors, had a deal with Amazon Plus to produce a new series. Then Netflix swooped in and offered $55 million to make this series that no one had really seen. Well, the director, according to the reports, grew erratic. He um, then... Uh, he said he discovered COVID-19 secret transmi transmission mechanism. Big story, if true. Um, he began to predict lightning strikes. He gambled large chunks of the money on his Netflix from his Netflix budget on cryptocurrencies and the stock market, and then bought a bunch of Rolls Royces, furniture, and designer clothing. They're now apparently working on it, uh, some sort of ar arbitration situation, but you're never going to see this series. Apparently no... No episodes uh, will ever be produced. Now, look, if you're very upset about that, and you're like, well, what can I watch? I was waiting for that new series from the 47 Ronin guy. 
you're going to be happy to hear. It's Cyber Monday. Today, we're offering 30% off the first year of Blaze TV Plus when you subscribe using the code CyberMonday30. This is the gift that keeps on giving. It's great when you subscribe to Blaze TV Plus. You get everything on Blaze TV. That means you get endless hours, endless hours of my stupid fat face talking to you, but also lots of really good shows and documentaries, bonus episodes, even exclusive live video chats with the hosts. I've done a bunch of those. They're really fun to do uh, talking to the audience. You also get premium news content. You'll unlock Blaze news articles featuring all sorts of great stuff, uh, in-depth investigative reporting that is just really beginning now. You can join in on the uh, subscriber-only comments section as well, plus get priority treatment from our American-based customer service team if you have any questions. So get yourself the gift of Blaze TV Plus today. Go to blazetv.com and use the code CyberMonday30. CyberMonday30. You'll get 30% off your first year of Blaze TV Plus. It's blazetv.com. The promo code is Cyber Monday 30. Happy Cyber Monday. We'll see you on whatever they name Tuesday.